We're blessed to have Brother and Sister Anderson with us today, aren't we? By the way, those of you with nursery-age kids, at this point, you can take them back to the nursery, and, uh, and we have our nursery workers that will be with them. I am blessed with a tremendous uh, family, and a huge part of that are my in-laws, Brother and Sister Anderson. They uh, have been uh, pastors in Piercy for 34 five years now, pastoring the same church for 35 years, and still looks so young. And uh, <laughs> and we were blessed to be a bunch of evil mother-in-law stories to tell anybody. I've got a wonderful mother-in-law and with a sweet spirit, and I am so thankful for her. And then I've got a father-in-law who's, who's not just a father-in-law and a mentor and a leader in my life, but he's also a friend to me. And we get to talk Bible and all that good stuff, and... We always have a good time together, and I am so thankful that they are here today. I felt it was wonderful and appropriate to have my dad last weekend and my father-in-law this weekend. Would you make them welcome today as he comes to preach? Here's the mic. Well, praise the Lord, everybody. Wow. This place is so charged with the Holy Ghost. I'm so excited. Can't hardly stand it. Somebody asked me if I was ready a while ago, and I said, like a racehorse pawing in the stall. <laughs> ready. Just couldn't wait for church. I've been anticipating this for a while. And um, I'm, I'm excited because I feel like God's got a word for sanctuary. Hallelujah. Praise God. Feel destiny in the house. Now, if you don't want to get touched by the Holy Ghost, you might want to leave now. Because it's going to be all up in the house. Now he is a he's a gentleman. He's not gonna he's not gonna harass you and mess up your hair and all that stuff. Well, unless you let him. But um Brother Butch. Brother Butch Pingle. <laughs> I was preaching Wednesday night. We kind of started having some hold down church, you know. Even on Wednesday night, it's legal to do that. <laughs> Until somebody finds out about it, and we're not going to tell them, though, right? We just broadcast it to the world on the web, is all. But old brother Butch couldn't stand it no more. He got the hot seat, and he jumped up and took off running around the church. And then, um, so he's been fired up. He's been fired up for a while. This old Navy boy shows you that the Lord can work miracles for you. And uh, he called me on the way up here yesterday. He was texting back and forth. And he said, I'll see you tomorrow. I said, well, I'm going to be in Jonesboro. He said, yeah, that's right. And uh, so he said, uh, where's that church at? I thought, yeah, Butch, come on now. And sure enough, sure shooting this morning. I, I really honestly, I t I've already told him this. I said, look, when you told me that, I thought, nah, I don't think he'll make it. But this morning, seven-ish or so, I got a text. And he said, I'm on my way. I, he really is coming. So he's up here, and sure enough, I'm preaching. So I, I don't know if he didn't believe that I was going to be here. And he's checking for somebody back home, make sure I'm not somewhere else or something. But it's, it's great. You can be seated just a moment. Um, good to see Brother Austin, Sister Joel, and the girls, um, our latest Departure, I guess, from contribution. Is that what it is? Well, y'all call it contribution because you're receiving. Yeah. Thank you very much. Bless your thumping gizzard. Hallelujah. But isn't now? I hope. I hope it's all right. But I, I feel like taking my time today, and it, it'll be a preacher short. I heard that little by interpretation it depends on who's giving the interpretation but <laughs> but we're going to have a good time in the Lord right I really honestly I'm, I'm serious that I feel like we're going to have a good time in the Lord but I would like for my wife to greet you and um, 
Uh, many, many years ago when I was district superintendent, I always felt like it was important when we got to uh, these type of junctures. What we're doing right now is the will of God because God instituted that even every year Israel were to construct booths and go out and live in them for a week. And it was inconvenient, so they quit doing it. But um, Nehemiah, whenever all that happened, I don't want to get started on that stuff. But I just want you to know that every year God spoke in his word and he told them, he said, I want you to go build booths and live in them like you lived in them when you were coming across the wilderness because I want you to look back and thank God for what he's done. But I got some ground for you to cover. And uh, so that was, that was the thing. So it is absolutely the will of God that we pause and celebrate anniversaries and make notation of that. But many years ago, I just felt like it was so important that on behalf of the first lady of the church, it was always good to hear from a lady's perspective a little short word. And so tonight, today in honor of your first lady, even though it happens to be my uh, daughter, we're not going to exempt you from that, all right? Sister A, God bless Well, <laughs> you can only imagine how full this mother's heart is today. And this grandmother, God has been so good to us. And I thought, as we were singing this song while ago, if you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. And it came to mind, Lord, if you can use me, you can use anything. <laughs> I thought about it as Sister Erica mentioned that she was the introvert. Well, she comes about that honest, but anyway, God still, God still uses introverts, and I'm so thankful for that. It's just so good to be here. And yes, this looks quite different than the first service we attended for sanctuary in that little living room. But the presence of the Lord was so strong. Even though I was in the hallway taking care of a baby, the presence of the Lord was in that living room, and I could feel it in that little hallway there in the home. And I want to thank every one of you that were there and that helped lay a solid foundation for this church, for my family, for our children these precious grandchildren. See, I remember the day sitting in our kitchen at our bar and anticipating Asher being born in a few months. And I remember the kids saying, we want to talk to y'all about something. And so we sat there in our kitchen and they looked across at us and said, we feel like God is calling us to start a church in Jonesboro. Now, they had kept it really well. They had done very well with that. But my heart leaped for two reasons. But I will say that I was so thankful that they were listening to the voice of God. And I knew that this is what we had raised our daughter for to be willing to do whatever God called her to do. And we knew when she married Brother O'Connell, Brother Kenneth, that, that he had a calling on his life. And so with that calling went her calling. And so I was like, okay, um, okay. <laughs> well, okay, it could be further away. <laughs> it could be further away than Arkansas. And, but I knew that God would take care of them. He would take care of these grandbabies. He would take care of our church and our family. And if I've ever seen God do that, Amen. I see the, the result of that now. Just part of it. This is just part of it. As Brother Gaddy said, the greatest is yet to come. Thank you, Jesus. I don't know about you, but I look back over my life. I look back over the past 10 years, and I think, where and how did we get here so fast? Where did those 10 years go? I watched the children, the grandchildren grow up. I've watched myself get older, <laughs> and I've, I've watched the Lord do so many things, though, in people's lives, and that is what is so important. I want to tell you, when they tell you they love you, they do. I know, I know the feeling to look out at that congregation of people and just wish you could just 
take everybody and hug them with one big hug. And you can't do that, but it, someday we're going to be able to get back to hugging each other individually. But you know what? God is so good. You keep serving him. You'll look up one day and you'll be in a mansion in heaven. You'll be around the throne of God, worshiping him forever and ever in every trial, every sickness, every pain, everything you've been through on this earth will be gone. Hallelujah. No more tears. No more crying. No more sighing. No more wondering what tomorrow holds. No more wondering if we're going to get this or that or we're going to be able to do this. But we're going to be able to be with our Savior forever and ever. And thank you. Thank you for loving our children. And thank you for coming to heaven with them. Lead me, Lord. Lead me, Lord, I will go. You have called me, and I will answer. Lead me, Lord, I will go. that way about it why don't you just stand with me lift your hands and tell him that you surrender to him right now we're going on a journey we're going on a journey we're going on a journey hallelujah i feel the holy ghost ministering to some folks right now praise god praise god praise god hallelujah let me go ahead and get into the word of the Lord. Good to see Sister Lori here today from home church as well. We've got family up here. And um, so it's it's just it's just good. We could talk the rest of the day just fellowshipping. And Sister Anderson said something about just missing those hugs. But we're going to break out of this one of these days. I did say something to the pastor when I came in. I said, it's, it's sad. None of your people are smiling at me. They just got this blank look on their face. I, and then I realized that they didn't realize I was smiling either. So, uh, but we're on a road like the Apostle Paul. Apostle Paul was on the road to Damascus. Uh, you got to laugh at my jokes or it's going to be a long day. Damascus, praise God. One of these days we'll, we'll be back. But I appreciate the sincere. I appreciate people that are diligently though trying to keep things when things are raging I appreciate the effort to try to make sure we can still have church it's not about it's not about faith or lack of faith and all that kind of stuff and I'm not here to prop up anything with it except just say thank you so much because it's important that we continue to have church praise God <laughs> this is not Christmas but Isaiah chapter 9 Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6 for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, 
And the government shall be upon his shoulder. His name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. If I could just stop right there and tell you that I am a one God preacher. This is not what I'm preaching, but I think since he preached on the oneness last week, I could just go ahead and let you know I believe in that. And the reason I believe in that is that one of the reasons is this verse right here. A child is born unto us, a, everybody say a son. Now you understand he's talking about the manger, right? So when he's preaching, when he's talking about this, writing about it, he said, you got the son. And then he says, the everlasting father. And what was the Holy Ghost of the comforter? So it was the prince of, okay. So you got the father, the son, and the Holy Ghost in the manger. I just thought you needed to know I believe in one God. So it's all in him. Oh, hallelujah. Verse number seven of the increase of his government and peace. There shall be no end. I thank God for where he's brought us from. But man, I'm looking over the next hill seeing what else is coming because upon the throne of David and upon the kingdom to order it, to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forevermore, the zeal of the Lord. Somebody ought to get excited today. Of hosts will perform this. We're going to worship. Woo! Hallelujah! My God, my God, my God, my God, my God. I'm going to just go ahead and tell you, I'm not sure that I'll have any skin on. I'm about to jump out of my skin today because I'm so excited. Verse number eight, we got to go ahead and read this one. The Lord sent a word into Jacob, and it hath lighted upon Israel. <laughs> Whatever God spoke to Jacob in his struggles, it has lit upon the progression and the faith and the stepping forward of Israel as a nation. So whatever God told you years ago, son, it was a word that lighted upon Kenneth. It was a word that was spoken to him many years ago and he told me about what God gave him in the book of Habakkuk, I believe it was. It hath lighted on sanctuary. Praise God. I want to preach to you today, if I can get started, apostolic advancement. Apostolic advancement. If you're going to pre help me preach, you can be seated. If not, just stand till you get tired. But I just want you to know there's nothing about God in decline. When you're looking at humanity... We have, we get up in the morning and, and, you know, some of us are still slow starters or whatever, but uh, we get up and we consider ourselves hopefully rested. And uh, so we, we, our level of energy hopefully in the morning is a little bit better than it is in the afternoon or the evening. So in other words, humanity just goes from full to empty. They go from fast to slow. They go from energetic to I don't know if I can do this or not. And so it's just continually understanding the downward trend of humanity. And so in, in the youth, you, you've got energy and you're bouncing around and you're doing all these things and you've got faith and all those things that you can move mountains and do all kinds of things. As you get older, if you're not careful, a lot of that begins to settle and you begin to uh, think in your mind things that you can do that uh, you can't do in the flesh. And uh, you still think you can play softball. You still think you can do all those kind of things in your mind. And you're just as fast as you ever was in your mind. But your body says, what are you thinking? Yeah. And so, um, anyway... But I want you to know that we are serving a God that is not limited. He is omnipresent. He's omniscient. He's omnipotent. He is everywhere. He does everything. He is all-powerful, and he can do anything. And I don't ever want us to lose vision of the supernatural in Sanctuary Church. I want you to understand that our God is still able to do anything. He is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think because I have not seen anything 
ear hath not heard, neither hath it entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for them that love him. All you've got to do is sign up, fall in love with Jesus, and you're going to begin to see some things that you can't accomplish in the natural because God is not limited to time and space. He's already in eternity, and he has no limits. God, help us to break out of what we see around here. Help us to break out of, you know, we, we've been so limited and, and it's like a spirit of fear and desperation and all those kinds of things have wrapped us up with this COVID deal that we've been uh, been going through. But I'm, I'm telling you today that what we need to understand is that God is not limited by anything and we're still baptizing people. We're still seeing people get the Holy Ghost. We're still seeing people get healed. Hallelujah. And I'm going to tell you one thing. God is so powerful, and I'm glad I'm on his side, because he will use the most diverse things. He will use the greatest trials to turn them around and make them victorious for us because he's not a God in decline. He didn't start this thing off big and say, we're going to just kind of bring it. No, 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 no. If you're serving God, he starts it off small and increases and lets you grow in grace and in the knowledge of the Lord. You don't, you, don't, you don't talk about it? I'm glad you do. Thank you. I just knew you didn't. Well, watch this. It started off way back in the book of Genesis where Abel offered a lamb for a man. You get in the book of uh, Exodus, and whenever they left in uh, uh, Egypt, it was Passover, and it was a lamb for a family. You get on over in their wilderness journey, it became a lamb for a nation. And it was John the Baptist that pushed the curtain all the way back whenever he said, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. Of the... Come on, shout it out. You got to help me, man. I'm, I'm, I'm not much of a preacher. You're going to have to help me. Of the... Of the increase, there shall be no end. The devil spends all of his time thinking, trying to get you to think that you've reached an apex. Start, start, start preparing for the. Oh God, have mercy! But the only thing God really needs to do is just break us into a brand new realm, to where we begin to see things through His eyes. I take you today to the book of Ephesians, chapter one, verse ten. And I have no idea what time I started, so that's good. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 10. That in the dispensation. Everybody say, this is it. This is it. That in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him. There is going to be a dispensation when heaven and earth are going to meet each other. And the fullness of God. As in heaven, so in earth. And the answer to Jesus' prayer is going to be in the dispensation that you live. Somebody shout yes right now. Hebrews chapter 11, verses 39 through 40 says, And these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise, God having provided some better thing for us, that they without us should not be made perfect. I'm, I would like to just step out here among you today and tell you something. If God had wanted Simon Peter to be on site in 2021, he was God and he could have arranged that. If he had wanted the Apostle Paul to pastor Sanctuary Church, God could have arranged that. But ladies and gentlemen, he used them to prepare a situation that is graduating its way toward the culmination of what God's got in a dispensation. You are not 
not messed up and you are not at the wrong location at the wrong time. You are right on time and God's anointing that is flowing through this congregation, right? We need to square our shoulders and understand that there is an anointing that is coming through this earth right now because this is the dispensation upon whom the ends of the world have come and God is going and he is not taken by surprise. I promise you, I know one thing about heaven, and that is God's not going to get up Monday morning and go, mm, man, where is Paul when I need him? That's the reason you need to prepare yourself to believe that God can move through you and perform miracles at your fingertips. And we should understand and believe that God's not going, God's not confused about what's going on. He's not in, he's really not about to have a nervous breakdown. He's okay. He's large and in charge. Are you getting what I'm talking about? But they without us should not be made perfect. You know what that's doing? That's putting us in a very strategic spot. Because everything that they did is bringing us to this moment. I was talking about this not too awfully long ago. Well, it's been longer than I, th I imagine now. But Brother Thomas had come by and preached for us, and former superintendent. And, and uh, I was talking about, you know, my responsibility. And you know what the responsibility of a successor is? A successor is the one that comes behind. The job of a successor is to make sure that the predecessor was a success. Now, a lot of people miss that, and they start tearing down the predecessor because they want to make themselves look big. But the, you'll never get any bigger than making the predecessor a success because that means that it's going on. That's the reason it's called successor. You know what we are? We're successors to previous generations. Why would we want to desecrate the, desecrate the doctrine that got us here? Why would we want to badmouth and talk about people that came through a time whenever speaking in tongues wasn't popular? But we have the privilege of 2021 of many people embracing tongue talking. Oh, I know we got the periphery things and the stuff that you're going to hear the most news about, people criticizing Christianity and all that kind of stuff. But I am telling you right now, we are living at one of the most strategic times ever. Revelation chapter 14, verse 13. I'll keep moving here, but uh, I'm going to try to bring this together here today for you. And I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, write, Blessed are the dead which die in the Lord from henceforth. Yea, saith the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors, and their works do follow them. I'm not preaching a funeral in case. It could, you, you could use that at the funeral. But what, what does it mean that their works do follow them? It means, Brother Clinton, that right now, there are people in the grave that there's stuff still going on from what they got started. Oh, somebody needs to get excited about what I'm talking about. I'm about to tell you who I believe right where sanctuary is at is a place to start harvesting seed that you didn't sow. There are prayers that have been prayed. We had, their, we had their funeral and took them and put them in the grave. But those prayers are still around the throne room. And that means that one of these days, somebody is going to walk in the, in the back doors yeah. and they're going to kind of stumble a little bit. And they're going to, what in the world's wrong with them? 
And then they, they don't even wait for you. To, they, they, don't, they, they don't have any protocol at all. They just keep on stumbling toward the front of the church and they fall across the steps or the altars or whatever and lift their hands and start speaking in tongues and God fills them with the Holy Ghost and you baptize them that day and you walk around and say, who invited you? And they said, nobody. I'll tell you what happened. There's grandma still praying in the grave and there's a laborer that is coming through and some works that's following them and because we're building upon some past that's already been put in the ground. God's got a future for the church. He's got a harvest for the church that we have no idea what's in the ground. I have had people pray through at Apostolic Faith Tabernacle that didn't think they had any connections whatsoever (laughs) with Pentecost. And after that, they started going to a Pentecostal church, talking in tongues and letting God begin to change their lifestyle. They would go to a family meeting and they said, what in the world is going on with you? And well, I started a church. What church did you start to? And they began to tell them and they began to talk about it. And they said, well, did you know your great grandpa was a Pentecostal preacher? I had no clue. I never heard about that. Oh, man, he used to roll in the floor and talk in tongues. And that's the first time they ever heard the story. You know what happened? That old gray-haired grandpa said, God, whatever it takes, get my kids. And get a, there's some kids out there right now that angels are starting to ramp up and go visit them now because there's been something coming up out of the cemeteries. Are y'all, y'all getting what I'm talking about right now? Isn't it going to be fun when you build that new building and then you end up looking like this? I got this feeling that Apostolic Faith Tabernacle in Hot Springs and Sanctuary right here in Jonesboro are going to have some of the same problems. We're going to have to start worrying about how many more uh, chairs we're going to have to pull out. What are we going to have to do? Why? Because there is some seed that's in the ground that we had never seen come up yet because God has said that the saints that have gone on before, they die in the Lord, but (laughs) their works do follow them. Their prayers still go on. Every time they ever shouted and prayed, Praise God. God said, I'm going to honor that through reaching their kids. I'm going to bless their family. I've got a a favor that I'm going to give them. Praise God. Hallelujah. Let's listen to what Jesus says about this. Everybody okay? You need a Pepsi or something? I don't have one. I just wonder if you need it. John chapter 4. Verses 34 through 38. God have mercy. Jesus said unto them, My meat is to do the will of him uh, that sent me and finish his work. See, it changes the game if you understand that you're living like this, not for yourself. I am so sick of people wrestling with Pentecostal identity because it's all about them. Let's get off the selfish train and understand this is kingdom stuff. And it, so sorry, Pastor, you can fix this when I'm done. But I'm stepping right out here right now and tell you, there's a God in heaven that deserves you to be able to walk through them all and somebody say, what do you got I don't got? No, sweetheart, it's not about you. It's about the kingdom. He said, I'm doing this. Jesus went through what Jesus went through because he said, I am fulfilling the will of the Father. I believe in one God, yes, but that was God manifest in the flesh. And he said, the only way, only way you're gonna see God is when I perform it. Can I just just say this one thing right here? And I'm telling you, I'm gonna blow it right now, but that's okay. There's a scripture that says, follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. And the negative people says, that means I can't go to heaven if I'm not holy. Well, that's probably got something we need to consider. But let me, let me give you the real proper interpretation of that. Without holiness, 
No man shall see the Lord. You know why? Because that's how I communicate. This is not in my notes, I guess you can tell. I hardly ever get a, no, I'm joking. Without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. So what am I doing? I'm not doing that for me. I'm showing the Lord to a world that doesn't know him. And if I don't, if I don't conduct myself different, if I don't make a different presentation than everybody else in the world, it can to totally be unseen. What I'm trying to get everybody to understand is yes, I'm enjoying being here today. I'm enjoying being in the house of the Lord and it does me some good, but I'm not just serving me for me. I'm just not just serving him for me. I am serving him for him. Let me, let me go ahead and take this a little bit further. Let me go ahead and take it a little bit further. I'm probably closer than I'm supposed to be, but you got your mask on, so everything's fine. Let me take this a little bit further. I am not doing this for myself. The Bible says this, God looks on the heart. And man looks on the outward appearance. And people use that as an excuse to continue as they were. Well, that's okay if you're making it about you. Now, I've, I've, I've actually touched what I'm about to touch here before in this church. But I'm going to tell you, it was a bombshell in my world whenever God showed me that, you know, we hear it, we hear it talked about that when, when he had them to put the blood over the doorpost and over the lintel and on the doorpost. And he said, when I see the blood, we've all heard about death's angel went through the camp of Israel. And when he would see the blood, he would go and pass them. And I was, I was meditating on that one day, and the Lord said, it doesn't say that. And I said, what? I mean, I, I know I'm weird, but the Lord actually said that to me. He said, I didn't, he didn't say that. I said, well, yes, it does. I've I preached that all these years. It's got to say that. And he sent me back to the book of Exodus, Brother Butch, and I had to go look, and it didn't say when death's angel sees the blood. It doesn't say I'm sending an angel through there. I'm not sending death's angel. He said, when I see the blood. Okay, so let's, let's go there. I'm just, I'm out, I'm out here in left field right now. Left field. And uh, don't know my right hand from my left, but anyway. If that is the case, then, let's, let's picture God standing in front of a cabin. And uh, don't you think God probably knows if they've offered the lamb inside or not, and if they're consuming the sacrifice. Since he's omnipresent, we already agreed, and y'all shouted about it a while ago, so don't leave me now. We've admitted that God knows everything. So if he knows everything, then he's not having to be convinced by the blood that's over the doorpost that something happened inside. He knows. So what was the blood for? So glad you asked. It was to let Egypt know externally that something happened internally. I really didn't mean to get on this, but I'm telling you, what I'm preaching right now is an encompassing thing. God's about to take sanctuary to a place that's never been before. And if you want to be a part of that, you're going to throw up your hands right now and say, Lord, show me everything that I need to know. Give me the revelation that I need to be what I need to be because God's got some big stuff in store for us. That's the reason why that we're going somewhere in the kingdom of God. God looks on the heart, but man looks on the outward appearance. I'm not in this for myself. I'm trying to show them.
Not just talking to them. Not just talking a good talk, but walking a good walk. And when they see your good works. Matter of fact, I'm getting braver as I go. Matter of fact, when grandma's grandson walks through the door at sanctuary and looks around, I'd like for him to know he's back home. I want him to see a church that still worships like grandma's church worships. I want him to see a church that still prays like grandma prayed. I want him to see a church that still gives like the sacrificial giving of grandma because this church is not trying to do something for itself. It has a a responsibility to generations gone by. And it's our turn to increase the government and the kingdom of God. So Jesus said, it's not my, it's, it's my, my, my meat is to do the will of him that sent to finish his work. Okay, verse number 35, this is John 4 again. Say not ye there four months, then cometh the harvest. I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields for they're white, red, all ready to harvest. And then verse 36, he says this, and he that reapeth receiveth wages and gathereth fruit unto life eternal that both he that soweth and he that reapeth I'll see you on the other side of Jordan to shout down the streets of gold because you saw some of my answered I feel a double pressure right now I know that I need to hurry, but there is a depth of God that is hovering in over this place right now, and I hope that you'll just stick with me here for a little while because God has got something that I'm, I, want, I want him to blow our hearts right out of our chest and just fill us with passion for him and understanding what he's about to do, but there's, there's something fantastic. Hallelujah. And herein is that saying, hey, folks, you, you, you got the white letter edition, but I got the red letter edition. This is Jesus talking. That ought to bear a little bit of influence in your life. And herein is that saying true. Jesus is saying, one soweth and another reapeth. See, you're doing both right now. The Bible said there's going to come a time when the reaper would overtake the sower. It's being fulfilled in this dispensation because heaven and earth is joining together. You're putting seed in the ground, but you're also reaping stuff. So the reaper and the sower has now arrived at Sanctuary Church. You got a sickle in one hand and a a seed sower in the other. Sometimes you just have to have an interpretation to find out what I said. Hallelujah. And then he says this in verse 38. Woo! Somebody just say, woo! That's a modern amen. I sent you to reap that whereon ye bestowed no labor. Other men labor, and ye are entered into their labors. What? What makes this so strong, Brother Austin? You were talking about it a while ago. This is the foundation of the apostolic truth. We are not our own. We are not out here in some island by ourselves. But we have fallen in line, and there is an accumulative anointing that has put us where we are with an accumulative harvest that is bringing together all things that God has brought this apostolic movement to this hour for such a time as this. And there is some advancement that's about to take place. And let's get in sync with this. Let's march forward because God is going to bless you with harvest of labors that 
has already sown the seed and you're going to see great things done and you're going to wonder how it happened. Don't wonder. There's already been some fasting. There's already been some praying. There's already been some giving. That's already in the ground for you to just take it and believe it and let God do his work of increase. Come on, let's give him a good hand of praise right now, would you? I'm, I'm just going to skip over Joshua 11 simply to tell you, though, that the Lord commanded Moses' servant, as the Lord commanded Moses' his servant, so did Moses command Joshua, so Joshua did. And he left nothing undone of all that the Lord commanded I'm not, I'm not, don't have any, I don't have any interest in being mean. But I want to tell you that the best anointing and the best productivity that a young man ever gets is the willingness to fulfill an elder's dream. Because you follow to lead according to Brother Stan Gleason, yeah. I just seen if y'all knew. Well, I thought of it. <laughs> Let me tell you what's happening right now, okay? I had an opportunity to speak to the youth committee some time ago, and it's been a long time actually now that I don't remember exactly a couple of years but uh the lord had given me some of this stuff if it's all right i'm going to share it with you here as i start winding this down now this is a pretty big plane so it may take a minute to get on the runway ain't no cessna flying here today this is it's a boeing something Let me just give you, give me, <laughs> let me give you a little bit of this. I may have to talk my way through some of it to save a little time. Is that all right? Y'all, y'all trust me that it's in the book. Okay, let's, let's, let's do this for time's sake, okay? Y'all remember people such as the name of Elijah and Elisha? Okay. Elijah, I love that God put Elijah in the book because he really had some quirks. Yeah, he did. Because, I mean, he came, let's go ahead and jump all the way to Carmel, Mount Carmel. And um, he had faced off against 850 prophets of Baal. And he proved them that Baal was not God. And then he tells Jehu, he said, you need to go get yourself a picnic and get ready to get home because I hear the sound of abundance of rain. They'd been in drought and all that kind of stuff. Remember that? Well, Jezebel was, um, she, she got quite a story. There's some interesting things in the Bible. You might want to read it sometime. Um, I encourage you to read it. You can find some interesting things in it. But the, um, I used to tell people all the time, the Bible is not to mark your seat. I know you don't have that situation around here, but I've actually been in churches where people would put their name in the Bible and stick it in the holder. And that is, don't get my seat. And if a visitor was there, it was a bad day. Because they would ask, didn't you see my Bible there? Those, those things are actually printed to be read. I know that's a revelation. But I've been spreading that gospel all across the country <laughs> because it finally got on my last nerve that people were just using them. Go buy $99.99 for a Bible and stick it as a seat. Well, just get some tape and a piece of paper. 
It's not that hard to mark your seat and say, don't sit here. This is Glory Bell's chair. All right, all right. I feel better. But Elijah, he is, the reason that I like him so much is because that he can be on a mountain and then be so depressed he wants to die. But he does act kind of funny about it because he's up in a cave saying, Lord, just let me die. And the only thing he had to do is go down there and Jezebel would have accommodated the whole thing. But, of course, he probably did not want it published that a woman killed him. So, anyway, he just, so, so I'm telling you, he had some quirks. Now, I was telling you that God knows everything. Here, I mean, there's some comics in the, in the Bible, too. Get a little comic relief. I hit, I hit this the other day, and it's, it tickled me all over again. Elijah's up there in the cave. God shows up and says, what are you doing here? Poor old God, he didn't know. What are you doing here, Elijah? Why don't you tell me, man? I'm, I've been worried about you. Why, did, why, did, why does God ask questions? Well, I'll tell you what it's not for. It's not to get information. I'll tell you what it is for. It's to make you admit where you are and why. And let you hear. Sometimes you know you get answers just talking because you actually hear what your brain's thinking and you're going, what? Never mind. I've had people in the office before that said, just never mind, I, I got it. Because they were actually verbalizing the goofiness. <laughs> it's what you get from 35, 38 years actually of total of pastoring. Is it after a while just goofy, you know, it just... And you're saying, you know what, the only thing I'm doing is making a fool out of myself because now I, f I realize how stupid this, I mean, I'm not supposed to use stupid, so I'm not going to use stupid. Um, so, so he said, what are you doing here? And God is getting information. Sure, yeah, right. Just like whenever Adam, where art thou? You think God didn't know where Adam was at? Well, sure he knew where Adam was at. Mary and Martha buried Lazarus. God said, where have you laid him? Through Jesus, he said, where have you laid him? Why was he asking the question? Because he wanted them to admit where they had reached their limitation. That's where we laid him, right there. We laid it down because that's as far as we can go. He said, okay, I'll take over there. Because you've admitted you can't go any further. Wrestling with Jacob. What's your name? Poor God, he's wrestling somebody you don't even know. What's your name? He said, my name is Jacob. Let me tell you what's not written in Scripture. God said, good. I'm glad you said Jacob. Because Jacob means supplanter, deceiver, and all that kind of stuff. The last time your father asked you who you were, you lied. You said you were Esau. Now that you've come honest with me, I've got something to work with. God asks questions to make you get honest with him. So he said, what are you doing here, Elijah? And he said, well, let me inform you of some things you don't know. He said, ain't nobody around this country loves me but you. But I, what is really worse, God, is nobody around this country loves you but me. Everybody's turned against you, God. God said, I'm glad you brought that subject up because I'd like to tell you that there's 7,000 that's never bowed their knee to Baal. What? See, you'd be surprised what you find out talking to God. And that's where prayer comes in. You really ought to try it sometime. I'm, I'm not trying to turn this into eternity. But there's some stuff that we really need to get. So Elijah is in there. Finally go through all this cake baking and angel food and all that kind of stuff. And well, it was angels baking cakes, so it had to be angel food, right? Okay, so then God gets him out there, and then this is what happens. God tells Elijah, he said, I want you to go down off this mountain, and this is, everybody say First Kings 19. All right. First Kings 19, 
And the Lord said unto him, Go, return on thy way to the wilderness of Damascus, and when thou comest, anoint, everybody say, Hazel, to be king over Syria. And Jehu, the son of Nimshi, shalt thou anoint to be king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shaphat, of Abel-Meholah, shalt thou anoint to be prophet in thy room. So he's your replacement. He's going to be your protege. He's going to be the guy that you're going to train to take over when you're gone. And he goes down through there and explains that um, him, uh, it shall come to pass, him that escapeth the sword of Hazel shall Jehu slay, and him that escapeth the sword of Jehu shall Elisha slay. Goes down through there. So um, that, that, that's all just some real good stuff. Now, Elijah leaves there and goes back down. And, and if you just read this, you can find out that when he goes back down through there, he finds Elisha, throws his robe around him, that mantle. And so Elisha starts following him, right? But just keep on reading. Why don't you stand with me? You mus musicians can find your way to the platform here. We're going to wrap this up, but please stay tuned in with me. Stay tuned. Because this is where it gets really good. Um, life goes on in Israel. You remember? I'm, I really, I'm struggling trying to figure out how to get out of this without telling everything. But he, he, he hits him with the mantle. Elisha said, I'm going to go with you. So they, they slay the oxen and burn the plow. That's a good way to live for God, to not have anything to go back to. Thought I'd throw that in there. And then he takes off following Elijah. You know where they go? Back to town. You know who's king? Ahab. You know who still the old huzzy is? Jezebel. But somehow the season has changed and the political atmosphere has shifted a little bit in time. And then they ended up with 32 kings, joined Ben-Hadad, king of Syria, and they come against Israel, and all those kinds of things. Chapter 21, you find Ahab at Naboth's vineyard. All of that stuff you just need to read about. Ahab falls in battle when he gets Jehoshaphat to join him. And then Ahaz, Ahaziah, Ahab's son, becomes king over Israel. And he was king for two years. In the midst of all this, we find that Elijah and Elisha go on their final tour. And in chapter 3 of 2 Kings, then Jehoram becomes king. When he becomes king, he reigns for another ever how many years? What I'm trying to say is, I bunched all this together, so I'm trying to help you separate it out. I just kind of bunched it together that Elijah came down the mountain, chose Elisha, and they went on their tour, and Elijah was called out. Let me give you a little information today. Elisha and Elijah spent approximately eight years together before Elijah was translated. There were two more kings after Ahab. And there's still no Jehu. Everybody say Elijah. Say Elijah is translated. So he's caught up. I'm about to go nuts. Somebody pray quick. Elijah left with some unfinished business. Woo! 
somewhere prior to that, Elisha had sidled up to him. I'm going with you wherever you go. He said, what do you want, boy? He said, I want a double portion of thy spirit. He said, you've asked a hard thing, but if you can see me when I go away, you can have it. Hallelujah. Anybody remember that I said it's 1 Kings 19? 2 Kings chapter 9 opens up. And Elisha the prophet called one of the children of the prophets and said unto him, Gird up thy loins and take this box of oil in thy hand and go to Ramoth Gilead. And when thou comest thither, look out there, Jehu. Technically, Elisha didn't even do it. He just called one of the sons of the prophet. But he is now authorizing a work that was assigned to Elijah. If I ever heard God speak to me, he told me, that the definition of a double portion is that you don't just do the works that I called you to do. I let you finish what the previous generation didn't see done. That's the double portion. You get theirs and yours. Now, if we had all afternoon, I would tell you that there's seven dispensations. And on the sixth day, they got twice as much manna. Everybody say twice as much? Double portion? We're in the sixth dispensation, which means we're in the dispensation of double portion. Because the seventh is going to be that millennium. time folks y'all y'all need to be dismissed here in a minute but if you could stay till about five we could probably finish but I speak to you sanctuary today to tell you that there's Elijah's that are going on and there are prophets that are in their graves in this area that have sown into Jonesboro. And you're not going to get to do just what God's asked you to do. But God's going to let you fulfill the dreams of some old prophets that are already in their grave. So feel the anointing and the burden of responsibility to the apostolic past. Don't ever compromise this truth. Oh God. And don't back away from what God wants to finish. Because there are multitudes whose grandmas and grandpas and old pastors have probably tucked away somewhere feeling like they were a failure. I didn't get enough done. That God's going to let you harvest the crop that their seed produced. That is the advancement of the apostolic truth. Would you lift your hands with me right now? (laughs) 
There's a supernatural anointing that's falling in this house right now. This is the dispensation. Heaven and earth is meeting now. I see the tears flowing and I hear the, the rumble of souls in this house. The offerings that you're asked to give now is not just about you. It's about reaching back. hooking arms with an old elder somewhere that has fought the fight kept the faith come on Timothy come on John Mark oh go ahead lift them voices I, I hear an intercessory I hear a wail I hear an acknowledgement of a burden you do what I've asked you to do. Woo! But I'm going to let you do what the elders didn't get finished. So it'll constitute the double portion that will be known as apostolic advancement.